Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Bug Eye's Rock Pop Rambles. I'm your host Angela from the band Bug Eye and Paula from the band is also with me this week. And what a week it's been. What a week it has been. Here we are, lockdown version 2.0. I was more thinking about the elections. I mean, oh, lockdown. Oh, that as well, yeah. Um, I mean, lockdown's Self-centred. Pretty, <laughs> lockdown's pretty shit, but, you know. Um, it's had its pluses and minuses, sort of, as we can say. Feels feels like, you know, it doesn't solve all the world's problems, but it's quite nice to see something, something positive it's true. happen. Right, I think, I think we've been long overdue. Four years overdue. Four years over you indeed. <laughs> Which brings us into the theme of, of the show this week. We're talking about the year 2016, which uh, was also a bit of a shitter, but uh, but also had some positive things going on as well. But, Let's um, not spread the negativity too much. No, no, so, but I, did, look, I said there's some positivity stuff as well. I've got a fun little quiz coming up later. So, We're all looking forward to that know, one. To cheer us all up <laughs> and, uh, yeah, to brighten your day. But uh, yeah, so what have you got for me this week, Paula? Are you gonna? What have I got you for you? Yeah, this show off. Should we talk about twenty sixteen then? Yeah, let's talk about twenty sixteen. So twenty sixteen, we saw the year in with Justin Bieber being at number one with "Love Yourself." Boko Haram were burning down villages and abducting children. There were calls for the Oscars to be be boycotted over lack of diversity. David Bowie had died, as had Alan Rickman, which probably set off 2016 as being a pretty bad year to be a celebrity if you didn't want to die. In the UK, we had David Cameron as Prime Minister, who announced the Brexit referendum, although it seems like a complete absurdity at the time. Obama's in his last year of presidency, and the world doesn't think that Trump can be elected. What did we know? Uh, on the positive side, in the World Cup of Crisps on Twitter, the mighty pickled onion monster munchies were reigning supreme and the world was waiting for Pokemon Go to strike. Ah, crisps. Have you checked the poll? I haven't checked the poll. How are it you doing? Was, it was 50-50 and there was an hour to go. So no, I think, death I think to the during the show we will know whether crisps or chocolate chocolate win. Um, so on the on last week's episode, we had a poll. Well, we didn't have a poll. Me and Grace were talking about what would your last meal be? And then suddenly rambled onto the topic of what what's better, crisps or chocolate? So we launched a poll um, to uh, our Twitter followers who have been, been very good at responding. And we'll read some of the comments out a bit later on the show. But last time I checked, it was 50-50 on chocolate versus crisps. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> The, the most important vote this week to have taken place. In crisps or chocolate, never mind the US presidency. Anyway, uh, 2016 was also a year that a record label was launched. Was it? It which, was. Which label could that be? Could it be? Reckless, yes. And who might our guests be this week? I don't know. Do you not, Paula? They're there on the screen. There they are on Zoom. It's Pete and Sarah from Reckless, yes. Hello, how are you doing? But they're on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> she gives away all the surprises. I only had to look up. <laughs> now, how, how are you doing, Pete? It's good, it's good to see you. 
Oh, I'm 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 okay. Um, so I've ha I had to isolate twice in the last like six weeks or something because like somebody that you know either worked with or whatever had, had come down with the dreaded plague and then I was like I'm free at last and then they announced lockdown to electric boogaloo and I was like oh, this, oh. so yeah. so yeah limited to kind of standing in the garden on my own or walking the dog really yeah. um, but it's, I'm good it feels like we've all been naughty and just grounded really that's what this year feels like we've been yeah I don't know I think this lockdown feels very different I don't feel that it's being taken quite as seriously <laughs> if I'm honest three days in or something like that but uh, hello Sarah thank you for joining us as well how are you I'm okay thanks I mean I'm a, I'm a terrible introvert so I choose to self-isolate most of the time anyway <laughs> so yeah no change for me in my little Derbyshire village but um yeah I'm all good Oh, that's good. Well, thank you both for, for joining us on the show this week. And for those that don't know, our band Bug Eyes actually signed to Reckless Yes, who put out our album Ready Steady Bang earlier this year. So thank you for that. I hope, I hope that our podcast isn't putting you off us, as in, oh my God. We made a terrible mistake. <laughs> Who are these people? What numbnuts have we signed? <laughs> but um, it's obviously, it's been fantastic four years for your your label for reckless yes you've been going from strength to strength your roster is absolutely incredible not just because we're on it but um you know we were fans of reckless yes for a really really long time um before we joined the roster and uh i i feel like it's probably one of the most exciting labels um to come out of the uk in a really really long time is that something that you guys feel do you like wake up in the morning look in the mirror and go hey we do have to pinch ourselves a little bit, I think, sometimes, because you kind of forget, like, because, it's you know, you, you're constantly moving and we're always kind of trying to um, find stuff that we think is absolutely brilliant. And it is like, you know, um, that I mean, that's a massive job in itself, really, because we get hundreds of demos that aren't mm -hmm. very good at all. And you kind of have to remind yourself because you, mm. you, you sometimes you think oh we've not we, you know we've, we've not done that much this year and then you actually look and go crikey we have we've done loads and you know we just we've always aimed to just not sit still really or kind yeah. of um stick to kind of uh some kind of formula as to what we do or how we put stuff out or so we're always kind of shaking it up mixing it up a bit so yeah i think um i think we've done very well <laughs> all I mean, things considered i'm quite surprised you think that you haven't done much this year when i look at the volume of stuff that you guys have managed to get out it's like it's pretty phenomenal yeah i think this year has been um probably our biggest in terms of the number of releases that we've done which yeah i think when you think about how the year has gone <laughs> generally for everybody it, i think yeah even we are still pinching ourselves that we managed to stick to the schedule pretty much you know a few delays here and there but pretty much everything we planned has happened and um you know I, th I think that is testament to the roster and to the 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 people that keep supporting us like the membership who have kept it all going as well you know it's not just just me and Pete sort of managing our spreadsheets and all the other things that we do that is the uber glamour of running a <laughs> record label um but yeah I think this year has been massive next year is even bigger 
I say yeah. with a little shake in my voice, <laughs> staring down um, at what's to come. But yeah, I think it, it's just always exciting. And and um, while we are very picky about what we put out and who we work mm-hmm. with, we are always excited as well and always yeah. want to do more and do things differently and, and challenge things that aren't working so well and find new ways to... Um, support bands and excite music fans because we're both music fans at the end of the day so we know you know what it's like to want to get your hands on a record get your ears on a record straight away and collect it or you know follow a band and support them any way you can so yeah it's it's um it's always exciting huge privilege I think well the membership side of things well I mean the the thing that that you said it um about being music fans I think that really comes across um about reckless yes mm-hmm. because it's not just about like your own roster that you're really proactive in talking about it's music in general as well and it's just such a supportive network that you've kind of created around the label with all of the bands but also bands that are fans of bands and, and things like this it's just this really sharing nature so is the uh, the membership is like an annual membership isn't it do you want to just tell us a little bit about that yeah I think um for us uh, that whole everything you've just said there is summed up by our attitude really that it's all about community and we always say uh, collaboration not competition because there is room for loads of different labels there's rooms for loads of different bands so there's no point us being um sort of siloed away and and pretending that Reckless Yes is the only one and, you know, we get to the top of the pile and everyone stays down. If we all, you know, work together, then we can all prosper from it. And music fans love music, so why wouldn't we want to share another band that we love or another roster? But yes, the, the membership we launched for the first time this year, and it's an annual membership, so you can subscribe to the label and get all of our releases in a calendar year. So we are just opening membership for 2021 now. Um, you can choose your format, so vinyl, CD or digital. Yeah, we've got a really nice, we had a really nice group of members in 2020. They've started renewing for 2021, which is great. They've said some lovely things over the last couple of days, which have brought a tear to my eye and <laughs> make, makes you, yeah, it, it gives you that um, moment to kind of lift your head up a little bit and look around and go oh actually what we are doing does matter to people it's not just fun for us it's not just helpful to bands but actually people are really into it and Mm -hmm. this year more than ever some people have been relying on music to get them through for sure so having that little regular delivery of reckless yes records through the door or um available to download has you know really helped some people i think it's um yeah very touching to realize that actually that we've helped make that connection between fans and bands well it's really cool. it's it's really cool because i joined as a, a vinyl member and it's dead exciting because you get you get all of the kind of limited edition vinyl as well the stuff that sells out like pretty much immediately mm-hmm. when it goes on release it's like no i've got my name down for that already so uh yeah, it's really, it's really cool. It's, it's kind really of like nice. a brilliant version of the Tiny Music Club, isn't it? Yeah. It, wow. Well, uh, well. <laughs> a brilliant version, I said. Yeah. A brilliant version. <laughs> I was like, oh, Tanya. <laughs> Showing my age. Yeah. I was into it. I was like, that, I'm, that, I'm, that's, that's a slogan right there. We're going to use that. 
<laughs> a brilliant version of Britannia Music Club. Is that even still a thing? I've no I idea. I hope genuinely. not. Um, yeah, I hope not. No, I, th- I think it's a really exciting time to be to be in music. Um, I know that 2020 has not been the greatest year. Um, <laughs> challenging. Yeah, challenging, let's say. But I think for music, for certainly new artists, I, I mean, I'm just... I'm bankrupting myself just trying to keep up with with getting new records really because I always buy the stuff that I really like and uh and this year's just been it's just been great there's just been so much coming out and I'm not sure if that's like I'm hearing more of it because some of the larger artists have kind of held back mm-hmm. a bit and there seems to be more room or whether it's because of lockdown I've been even more proactive in searching for new music i'm not i'm not sure but it's it's been great for music and it has certainly been been keeping me me sane so with that you've got great music that's been coming out this year would you like to play us something that's come out this year sarah i was gonna let pete pick i've just done loads oh, of talking so i was oh gonna boy. let pete pick. <laughs> go on then pete well i've got a memory like a sieve so i, I can't even remember what we put out last week never mind this week um, but obviously we've just had the Lines uh, new single out and that's long overdue, not just figuratively speaking, but it is actually overdue because <clears throat> the, the B-side of that was was released. Was that even earlier this year or was it last year? I can't even remember. No, it was last year. So last yeah. year. But obviously with the whole situation, um, that the record that we've finally put out now, um, it <laughs> is it's finally out. So... Um, you know, it's for me. It, it was like something I'd been looking forward to that didn't didn't come out, <laughs> and then we had to wait. So that would be my yeah. choice. Would be Lion's latest single. Sorry, and on and on.
So that was Sorry by the Amazing Lines. And that came out, when was when was that? That was that was last week? Or last was week, it? 6th of November. Yeah, last week. It's been getting such a fantastic response. And I think waiting for a new Lions record has actually been quite a good thing. The excitement's been building and they really, really haven't let us down. I think it's 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 my favourite record, actually, of theirs, I have to say. I think they just get better and better. And was that, that one also produced by Paul Tipler? Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. He's, he's yeah, got his finger on the pulse of good bands. <laughs> <laughs> not too biased there, Martin. No, not too biased. No, well, no, I didn't even make that link that he produced. Uh, oh my, How could just, you not make that link? Well, because he's working with, he's working with so many great bands. You spent they? days and days locked in a studio with him. How can you not know he but produced worked, that album? But I've worked with him for years, so it's just, it's just like, But still, you know, in recent, well, it seems like a long time ago now, to be it fair. It really does. It really does. But um, no, he's, he's, fantastic but he's much nicer to you than he is to me (laughs) i wouldn't be so sure (laughs) he called me a poison dwarf (laughs) just so poor i'm probably pretty accurate to be fair (laughs) i just i just loved the time when i was playing guitar and um he just sort of slowly swiveled round in his chair and looked at me looked really confused um and then i stopped and he was like no 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 would you stop? Just keep playing. You know, it's just like, but what was that look? You what gave the me the look of <laughs> But uh, no, Paul is great to work with. And I think I really like his kind of no fussing, beating around the bush. Oh, he tells it straight. Working. Yeah. But, um, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he does. <laughs> but he's, he's really, he's really good fun to work with. I love it. You're not yeah, going home until it's done and done properly. Chess member just to make sure that he got the limited editions of all of the bands that he produced, I think. <laughs> Fair play to him. Fair play to him. Oh, no, he really does care about what he's, he's, he's worked on and, and things like that. And um, he's always been quite great at supporting us across all his social channels mm-hmm. and always plugging away at our our album. Yeah. I feel like he does that for all the bands he works with, to be fair. I don't yeah. think that's just a no, no, no. us thing. But we're like, yeah, he's he's the fifth member of Bug Eye. Um, yeah, so you heard it here. We're not an all-girl band at all. There's Paul, <laughs> Paul lurking in the background. On his swivel chair. <laughs> anyway, we are talking about the year 2016 and we're joined by Pete and Sarah from Reckless Yes. And uh, we're going to talk about some music, obviously, because it's a music talk talk show. Podcast. Kind of thing. Talk show sounds like LBC Radio does or something, doesn't show. it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, on at like good awful hour in the morning on the back back of a cab. Yeah, graveyard shift. Yeah, exactly. That's us. Um, so, Paula, do you want to go first? You've got some music to talk about from 2016. I have got some music to talk about? about from 2016. And I was super excited when this year came out because it's the year the Lemonade was released by Beyonce. Obviously, we started planning this podcast way, way, way in advance. Of course, we didn't. And I've actually realised that having a weekend to research that and doing that album justice is just not going to happen. It's brilliant. And I'll cover it in another podcast. But what I would like to talk about is Formation, which was the lead single from um, Lemonade. It was released as kind of like a sort of surprise release almost. I mean, it wasn't a surprise to people involved. Of course, they knew this was coming out. But to the general public, it was kind of kept under wraps. It was released on the 6th of February um, through Parkwood Entertainment, Chris Queer Claim. In order to promote the song, um, Beyonce decided that she was going to um, perform it at the halftime at the Super Bowl. Yep. 
So um, it's been named as the best new track in Pitchfork with Brit Judy's comparing it to Flawless and writing that for Beyonce and for her listeners too, the unapologetic embracing of one's blackness and power can be harnessed and making a name, livelihood and legacy can't be ignored or taken for granted. And I think that kind of sort of sets the tone for the rest of the album. A lot of it's to do with kind of race and being a black woman in America. I mean, this was sort of set against the idea that maybe Trump would be coming to power, Black Lives Matter would start to gain kind of traction. And I think this is very much her, like, sort of speaking about what that means for her as a woman in America. Um, so, yeah, this song was released as a kind of sort of splash in the dark kind of thing. No one knew it was coming out. There were sort of big things going around on social media saying Beyonce's released a single, this isn't a drill. There was kind of still hype going on around it because of that. She also released a music video, but directly to her YouTube channel rather than to any sort of big kind of commercial TV channel. Um, it caused a bit of a sensation because a lot of the imagery used within it was, was kind of sort of focused around either things to do with Black Lives Matter, the past and segregation in the South. Um, there were images of her sort of sitting on top of a police car in water, which sort of kind of was relating to the, was it Hurricane Katrina? That was yeah, yeah. Hurricane, was it Katrina, in New Orleans? Yeah where obviously the sort of black population were disproportionately affected by the aftermath of that. And quite often, um, like a lot of people sort of called her out as being a police hater about it. And then she went on to perform at the Super Bowl, as I said earlier. She kind of came out in this sort of amazing, it looks very much like the cover of, you know, Michael Jackson's bad, that jacket that he has on. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen any of the images of her performing at the Super Bowl, but it's kind yes. of like very yeah. much in reference to that and paying homage to another sort of whatever you think of him as a person and as we know things have kind of come out about him that are less than desirable but a big sort of black musician who kind of made it in America mm -hmm. um she also had her backing dancers wearing sort of black panther style berets and at one point they all sort of fell into an x for x formation at which point twitter kind of exploded with like oh my god Beyonce's on stage at the super bowl she's got her dancers dressed up as black panthers and they've just formed an x for malcolm x and a lot of people took a lot of offence to this. I'm not quite sure why. I mean, she was out there sort of just stating her opinions on her, I guess, view on the world as it was standing at that time in America. And Rudy, I can never say his name right, Giuliani, Giuliani, the ex-mayor of New York, stated that I thought it was really out outrageous that she used a platform to attack police officers who are the people who are trying to protect her and protect us and keep us alive. I mean, this is a political position. She's probably going to be taken of, take advantage of it. You're talking to middle America. When you have the Super Bowl, you also have entertainment. Let's have, you know, some decent, wholesome entertainment and not use it as a platform <laughs> to attack the people who, you know, put their lives at risk to save us. So there was like a huge sort of big debate that went on about this. It was like a performance at Super Bowl. Bruno Mars came on after it to the point that there were sort of like boycott bay protests planned for the next day. Which That's, why? Why is it that... Everything's so extreme in America, right? I know I've got a lot of American listeners, so I don't mean to offend mm -hmm. you, but it does seem that, like, I don't know, that I just can't see that ever being a thing that would ever happen here, that people would take such outrage. I don't know, have, have I missed something? Is, is Can anyone think of any examples of that? It's a different culture, isn't it? That, yeah. <clears throat> you know, there's kind of... We're sort of quietly outraged about things. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that was a bit off. It's like disgruntled <laughs> from Tum Tumbridge Wells. Yeah. I think but, I might write to points of view. <laughs> but Dear Anne Robinson, that, that simply wasn't cricket. <laughs> but I think in fairness, she kind of went out to create a bit of a, a bit of a storm with it. I mean, she's like, you know, 
if you've listened to the album, it is a lot. A lot of it is about racism and coming to terms with like mm. the place of the black woman in America. And there's, you know, the film that she made to go with the album Lemonade, like she quotes Malcolm X in it. And the quotes are things like, um, I can't remember it directly, but it's like the most disadvantaged person in America is the black woman. Yeah. The most, I don't know, I don't remember the quote and I don't want to misquote Malcolm X. We'll be getting complaints there front and centre. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think she kind of did go out to shock and did go out to make a point and probably did use the, the Super Bowl as a stage to do that because that is that is a stage that gets into the home of all Americans. And if you're going to stand up and speak about something like racism, institutionalised racism, Mm -hmm. the role of women in America, particularly black women, I think using a stage like that to do it is a pretty powerful place to do it. So fair play to her. Yeah, no, hats off to her. I completely agree with that. Anything else you want to add on that one? On that one? No. No, no. But I look forward to you doing the the, uh, full album next week. Maybe no, that's like a two-week research project. Give me some time on that one. Not that's a two-day. At least day. ten days. Yeah, at least ten days. You see the thorough depths that I go to. Oh God! But um, no, um, I mean that was really good. So thank you for enlightening us. You're welcome about, about that. Should we listen to some more new music? We should from Reckless. Yes. Um, you've got um a Nervous Twitch song. We played Nervous Twitch last week. Um but I'm totally up for playing another song from theirs because I didn't realise at the time when I played their last single that their next single was just about to land. It's out this Friday, so, yeah, you can play it. Oh, perfect, perfect. So can you tell us a little bit about the the single? Yeah, so it's called Tongue Tied, and it is the second single to be taken from their fourth album, which we'll be releasing in uh, very early on next year. So if people want to get it, then... Membership is a great way to get your hands hands on that album. Um, Will also be available, you know, through the usual outlets, but I cannot recommend membership highly enough. Um, So, yeah, Tongue Tied is the second single that we're taking from that. And um, I think it's very recognisably Nervous Twitch has that kind of surf rocky feel to it. Um, they keep being described as uh, Remains meets Ronettes, which I think is quite a great description for Nervous Twitch. So did we did we not make that up? I thought we'd made that up. I possibly did write that in the press release. Maybe that is why it keeps I keep seeing it everywhere because <laughs> <laughs> knows. Um, but I still think I stand by it. Whoever wrote it, whether it was me or you or somebody else, I think it's a great description.
was really good. That's that was a really apt description, Sarah. Actually, Thank yeah, you. maybe I did write it. Maybe you did. No, so you did. Take the wrote. credit for it. So that was tongue tied by Nervous Twitch, which I think was uh, that was that was I really I really like this band. Seriously, I just think they're consistently catchy and good and yeah, upbeat. Upbeat and just, I really like. I was saying to Paul when we were listening to that song, I really like the progression of, of how it sort of started. And I thought, oh, this is a bit different, mm-hmm. from them, and just sort of how it builds up to the tongue tied chorus. It's really nice. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, and it does have that sort of old school punk feel to it, but with a nervous twitch, twitch to it. I was going to say twitch twist. Twitch twist, that is better, yeah. You win, you win. <laughs> Crisps win, crisps win. Um, but, um, Crisps win. Chocolates yeah. <laughs> wins. Chocolates is so much better. Nah, mate. Right? You don't have... Okay, you can have crisps as a snack, but you would never have crisps as a dessert, would you? Yeah, but you'd never have chocolate in a sandwich. Chocolate is... Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you would. No, a crisp sandwich is a thing of beauty. Don't don't disrespect <laughs> that. You know, you know the bonus videos, because I've already been asked to do... Because I mentioned on the last podcast that... Um, when I was little, I used to make Watsit sculptures. You know, Watsit Chris, if you mm-hmm. bite little bits of them off, you can stick them together. And, they <laughs> and then I'd just shove the whole thing in my mouth. But, um, yeah, so someone's asked for a video demonstration. You didn't have very many of, friends, did you? <laughs> <laughs> so that and um, and a recipe for a chocolate sandwich, I think. What's it sculptures? You're having a laugh. <laughs> what a time to be a child. I made a what's it sculpture today. <laughs> it was the 80s. We were poor. <laughs> oh, what can I say? But we're talking about the year 2016, the year that Reckless Yes launched. Fantastic label. And uh, before we get into our next story, I just wanted to dig a little bit into the, the roots of Reckless Yes, like how it all began. Whose idea was it? Who came up with that? Well, I think really the roots spread all the way back to the 90s, if we're honest. And, you know, we're both from Derby and um, Pete was in Cable in the 90s. And that was pretty impressive. It's it's still quite impressive, but it was pretty (laughs) impressive in the 90s. So slight difference. Um, So I knew who he was, you know, I was sort of teenager on the scene back then. So I knew who he was um, and was a big Cable fan still think they're okay but um no <laughs> i'm joking um so yeah i mean i've known who he is for a I long time but our paths didn't really cross um we probably had several kind of close encounters on the music scene i'm sure we've been at the same gigs and i'm pretty sure i booked the hudson super six to play at one of the all days that i ran at some point um but yeah, our paths didn't really cross until just at the end of 2015 when I was editor of Loud and War. And uh, my editor-in-chief there was John Robb. Um, and John Robb produced Cable's first album, okay. so Pete knew him also and used to write um, things occasionally for the site and usually sent them to John. And I think um, John happened to be away when Pete had written something, been to a gig at JT Saws in Nottingham, which is a venue that we're both really into. And so I went down the contacts list and my name was next and not realising that I live sort of 15 minutes up the road from him, sent it over to me and asked me to copy and paste it onto the site and we got talking from there. Um, Pete was doing a weekly radio show 
at the time uh, of underground sort of garage bands, um, DIY bands, and we got talking about that and I just started sending a few recommendations through. I can't remember if I was asked to do that, if I just start doing it off my own back and just kind of sending stuff unsolicited. Um, but yeah, I, I just, at the same time, I'd just taken redundancy um, from a job. So I was very kind of in the mindset of everyone should follow their dreams and everyone should, you know, be free and <laughs> throw off the shackles of capitalism and do everything you want to do. Um, Pete was talking to me about wanting to do a, an all day of some of the bands he'd been playing on the radio show. So, of course, I was like, oh, you should do it. You should just do it. Book it. Well, people might not come. It'll take a lot of time. You know what Derby's like. I was like, just do it. If it's outside your comfort zone, you should definitely say a reckless yes to it. At which point I admitted that um, somewhat drunkenly a week before I had actually purchased the domain name, recklessyes.com. And so it seemed, seemed like fate that we should do something with it which originally was to put on this all day that Pete talked about. And it is the one thing <laughs> that we have never got round to doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we started, we started putting on um, little four band bill DIY shows sort of um, in Derby called Six Impossible Things, which was sort of a rock and roll tea party. We rocked up at non-music venues, sort of pop-up shows four band bills when no one knew what order people were playing in until the night um, free cake for everybody free zines and uh, yeah donation entry and give it, give all the money to the bands to make sure that everyone got paid fairly and we started doing that and started to book a few bigger bands mainly from Pete's contact book from when you know all these amazing bands that he's played with over the years and one of them was Bivouac who were an alt rock band in the 90s. I think they were touted as the British Nirvana at one point, signed to Gaffin, had been oh, away for 20 years and asked to reform for, I think, Gigantic or Indie Days or a sort of um, Nostalgia Festival, that sort of thing. Um, and they'd been based in Derby and sort of were friends with Pete and Cable. So we said we'd do their hometown show. And as we were talking to them about that, we found out they'd recorded some new music. And so with five weeks until show day, without hearing the tracks, we ordered 257 inch singles. <laughs> Got to take a punt on these things. <laughs> Which arrived, I think, a, a couple of days before the show. Um, had to fast track it all because obviously the records take a little bit longer than that usually to produce yeah. um fortunately the tracks are amazing as well yeah arrived with us a couple of days before the show band brought up these sleeves that they had they were hand folded origami sleeves so wow they were sound checking at the show while pete's desperately hand numbering them all and i'm sleeving them and um yeah they sold out within two weeks so that's amazing that, would, that was fun we should do it again and here we are, five years later. Wow. So how did you set up sort of like who was doing what in the label? Like, I don't know, were you both doing A&R? Were you both doing, like, how? Or is that something that's just kind of changed as time's gone on? Uh, yeah. I was going to say, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say something. A&R, um, it feels weird to even think, like, we don't 
A&R, we just go and see bands that we love and then go, let's do their record. So yeah. it feels like um, that's like a not, you know, having worked with like proper A&R people who mm. are not at all proper either, yeah. uh, but for very different reasons. Um, uh, yeah, we both do. And we both have to kind of, um, it's funny because we, we're very much on the, uh, same kind of wavelengths so and we're, we both like quite diverse stuff which is quite good really because you know um sarah can sort of go oh do you uh, do you want fancy giving this a listen and it you know some kind of weird experimental electronica or something and i'll just go i think that's great and i know that she thinks it's great because otherwise she wouldn't have said <laughs> do you want to yeah. listen to it so um shall i use the word synergy there there's a mm. synergy there um, but the A&R person would, yeah, nice. Yeah, but like <laughs> Sarah handles most of the kind of the, the PR and all that yeah. kind of stuff and the marketing and, and, and all the stuff that I'm just like, oh, it's really boring. Because <laughs> obviously I've spent like 30 years making records as, a, as an artist, so I'm more interested in the, the production side of stuff. So I deal with actually getting the records made, getting all the artwork done and all that kind of stuff and, you know, herding cats as it is mm. with with bands because artwork's never on time yeah. it's, it never looks like it's what it's supposed to do never fits the templates and then you know um the tracks don't arrive when they're supposed to and all this kind of stuff and it's so it, it, but but i just love that i just you know it it, it should it, it they're labors of love at, at the end of the day aren't they so um yeah. you know you kind of um I'm probably more patient and tolerant because I've been that artist, if you like, that's like, mm -hmm. you know, there's a week to go and we don't even have a sleeve for this record <laughs> yet. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I tend to handle production and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of pretty calm about it, even though, you know, things can get a bit to the wire. Yeah. I think, so we've kind of got like a division of labor in that respect, but also um, we very much kind of choose all the artists together. Really. Yeah. Okay, so two questions. What do you look for in a band or artist? Um, and what is the best way that a band or artist can get your attention? I'll take the first part and Pete can take the second part. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first part, what do we look for? There's, um, we've kind of got a three-point um, three plan three-point checklist so the first thing is that the music has to be amazing we both have to absolutely love it and we have to um be enthusiastic about it we don't want to put anything out where we're not genuinely excited about it and we're not genuinely enthused to think about it again I think that that comes across and it wouldn't be fair on the artist I think um not everything that we turn down is is bad and music is subjective sometimes it's just not for us or it's in a genre where we don't feel we could do our best work and ultimately that music is somebody's creative baby and it deserves the best care that it can get and sometimes that isn't us so the music has to be amazing we have to be willing to spend you know a year of our life with that music being genuinely enthusiastic so that's really important the second thing is work ethic a lot of the bands that are on our roster have um, come from that DIY scene, have either been around music for a long time or around that scene. 
Um, so even bands, you know, there's a couple of bands on the roster who came out of first time as first, so aren't necessarily um, veterans of, of being in bands themselves, but get that DIY ethic and get what it takes to collaborate and that it is a joint effort. This isn't about just handing it over and expecting somebody else to do all of the work for you. Um, it is a joint effort. So, yeah, work ethic is really important to us. And then the third thing we look for is shared values, is that as a label and as individuals, we've got a set of social and environmental commitments and um, it would just not be authentic and we don't feel it would be in anyone's best interest to work with people who have opposing values. We're not looking for people who think exactly the same as us, um, but zero tolerance for intolerance, basically, I think sums up the commitments. So. Yeah. Pete, oh. to you. Question number two. Question now. So oh. you've got to remember the question. So how does a band get on your radar? How do they get your attention? Okay, now, this is where one of my famous quotes comes out now, isn't it? Like every time. <laughs> um, my A&R guy, when I was signed, basically said, if you're sending out demos, you're not ready for a record deal. And I've sort of never forgotten that. I've taken it to heart. and and cable never sent demos out at all we just got on with it and did our own thing and within you know a very short space of time um a small label smaller than reckless in fact offered to put two seven inch singles out by us and and so it had never been something that you know we considered like you know making loads of cassettes it was cassettes in those days and and sending them off to record labels or whatever it, you know it i don't think we even thought like we'd we'd be considered so the fact that it, it the music sold itself if you like and so yeah. we don't it's not about sort of wading through demos we get sent a lot of demos and you can tell within sort of 10 seconds of listening mm. to the song as to whether that artist is ready to to release yeah. records not that the song is not good or good i mean that's a different thing entirely but it's just the fact that you know you can tell they're not ready yet and it's like um to get our attention you've, you've got to be out there doing it and and you know playing the gigs and and pushing your socials and 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 possibly doing little releases of your own whether they're you know limited edition cassettes that you sell at your shows or whatever and it's like um those bands find us and they, but they quite often don't know they've found us if you know what i mean because mm -hmm. uh, uh, we start sharing their their kind of their posts or whatever and, and then we sort of mention them to other bands and then the next thing you know is they're supporting one of our bands and and so they're sort of it's like an osmosis process mm -hmm. of them sort of kind of moving into the family and then yeah. you know we go we'd like to do a record and 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 so that's mostly how it works we like mm. we already know about you basically you know it's yeah. like we're already interested in you you're already mm -hmm. on our our radar and it's kind of it's a matter of time and sometimes some of those are kind of like yep these are great they've got loads of potential just give them another six months to kind of find their feet or mm -hmm. you know get their act together or whatever or do a few more shows or release a couple more tracks and 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 then we'll sort of step in and go we, we, we think they're at that, that place now because mm -hmm. then that's demonstrated to us that what you know what Sarah pointed out about 
um, that work ethic, if you like. So mm. we can see that, you know, that band is putting the hours in and they think about everything from their artwork to where they play their shows, how many shows they play, where they get to play them. You know, it, it's just, so you just get a feel for yeah. it over time, really. So we do get sent demos. We have a demo policy mm-hmm. and it's on our, it's on our website. Um, maybe two out of 10 actually bother to read that and we know they've not read it because of what they do when it comes to submitting those demos so we'll, we'll put a link to that in our show notes yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we have so we've signed one band i think from being sent a demo and do they follow that policy yeah um, you're gonna yeah, say no they i think do. you're right i think most of the bands that we've worked with we've been aware of in some capacity either because they're they're already playing shows with bands on the roster or bands that we love um or i've covered them or pete had played them on the radio when we used to do the radio show or um you know other publications that we both really like reading had covered them so they're already there and i think um it's not about us kind of waiting until they found some success of their own and then jumping in there yeah. mm-hmm. it's more about them having um worked out what they need to do to release music work out what they need to do to start to reach people and so working with a record label then is more of an informed choice for them Mm -hmm. they're not coming to us because it seems like the easy option or it seems like i don't know a cool option or whatever they're coming to us because they have worked out that they need to grow their team in some way and they think that we Mm. are the right people to do that with and i think that's really important to us that we are part of an artist team. I think Reckless Yes as a whole, you know, it is um, has always had more of a community feel to it, Reckless Yes family, or however we refer to ourselves. Um, I think all of the bands kind of support each other and are very welcoming yeah. to new yeah. bands on the roster, who quite often at least one other band is aware of or have worked with in the past. Um, and yeah, I think... Um, we, we definitely feel that we should be part of an artist team and not be taking over or jumping in and taking away from something that they're already doing. We should be adding to it. So, yeah, that, that work is, is really important to us. Can Would I ask you my like... last question? Yeah, yeah, go for it. It's a really random one because I, gen... I love your logo. I think it's great. You're two little, I think they're crows. And for me, they look like mm-hmm. wise old crows. I just want to know if there's any kind of story behind it. <laughs> yeah. I'm really hoping there there isn't that. Oh, you've got a. Is that? It's a faux crow. It's a faux crow, right? Okay, because I couldn't tell from from here. I was like, oh, she's got a collection of birds. She's a taxidermist as well. (laughs) I have got a collection. There's three of them because we needed one for spare, just in case anything (laughs) happens. Is there a story behind the crows? Um, Pete hates birds, all of them. That's guy garbage. <laughs> so it wasn't his choice. Um, I I am fascinated by crows. They're such yeah. an intelligent bird. So I was um, right thinking they were such an intelligent animal. So I've been quite obsessed with crows for a long time, and their kind of connections in mythology and things like that. Mm-hmm. Just before um, we formed Reckless Yes, I'd written my first novel, in which I won't yeah. give any spoilers, but crows feature within that novel we actually between the two of us like owls better I would say but I don't even know why we ended up with crows 
we just I think because you, you, you happen to have two of them um, and so we used we used them in that photo shoot I think didn't we yeah so the faux crows joined me um for a fancy dress at Kendall Calling one year which was movie themed and I went as Tippi Hendren from the birds so a very random package of stuff from Amazon I think which was like three faux crows some fake blood a blonde wig usual stuff um, and <laughs> we've got a full yeah. on that one but um yeah so the crows were already here I'd written that book that featured crows heavily we needed a logo we did a photo shoot which I don't know if you've ever seen the picture but just describe it describe it because you describe yeah. it so well <laughs> is um <laughs> I can't remember how I described it, but it's um, we are both somewhat dressed up. Um, I'm wearing a crown, which is also in the Reckless office. The crown, crow feather epaulets, I think. <laughs> wearing a, I'm going to take that off. It looks like a crappy Christmas. I'm dressed like a Victorian, Victorian explorer, explorer yeah. with a pipe and a bowler hat, and we are sat behind a table of stuff which is all very symbolic <laughs> so you can pick <laughs> apart that picture for ages but yeah we needed a picture to promote these rock and roll tea parties that we were doing um so yeah I had this weird picture taken in which the crows everything on the table is in pairs um so there was a pair of crows and we needed a logo so um yeah my friend Marcus Galley um, he does a lot of poster designs for bands. Kindly designed us a logo with two crows, one wearing a bowler hat, one wearing a crown. And since then, depending what colour they are, they look like fat pigeons or <laughs> <laughs> random doves. I don't know. That, that, yeah. But yeah, the crows are... <laughs> the crows are weird. <laughs> <laughs> but it's you know, good. You've asked that story. question, I'm like, I really... I actually don't really know. <laughs> well, I think I think there is there is a story behind it, and I think I think that's great that you've you've got a logo that actually means something. Most people just have something designed to just go, yeah, that looks that looks cool. It's our name. Yeah, right, something that was sort of recognisable, didn't we? You know, when we talked yeah. about other record labels and knowing the logo straight away on the sort of centre yeah. label or the back cover of an album, then we did want something that was instantly recognisable as the Reckless Yes logo so not just words or some random squiggle and yeah I think um, at the time we probably had thought we had a really solid kind of grounding in <laughs> why we were going to use crows but it's just a random a random collection of things and crows are just brilliant birds so so have you got any other records that you would like to play us yeah so um just at the end of October, we released the second EP this year, second EP ever by Eilish Frawley, who is a conservatoire-trained um, percussionist from Australia, now residing in Berlin, and puts out this. She uh, has been in lots of bands, but came up with her kind of solo sound when she was applying for a job at the circus, and every time I say this, it sounds even more ridiculous than the crow story, if I'm honest, but it's absolutely <laughs> true. So she was applying for a job at the circus and as a drummer, 
um, to try and do something solo. And in her words, she can't sing. So really kind of challenged herself to come up with this sound. And yeah, her music is this amazing blend of, of rhythms and samples and synths and has um, a, a really strong feminist message quite often using stats um, which you know she presents in spoken word rather than singing or very personal experiences and yeah we put out her debut EP towards the start of the year and her second EP Adult Life just came out in October so yeah we could play something from Eilish Frawley. Okay which track would you like to play? Let's play stats.
So that was Eilish Frawley with um, Stats, which was a recent single from her second EP, Adult Life. It's brilliant. I really enjoyed that. Love, love, love the synth, synth MV in mm-hmm. there. And the percussions, obviously. And she took part in Balcony Fest, didn't she? She did like a kind of live stream with some amazing visuals in the background and it was mesmerising to watch. Yeah, that's right. I think it was one of the either the first one or the second one. It was quite early on in Balcony Fest, yeah. I think, that she um yeah, performed. And she does perform it all solo as well. So yeah. you actually work, you know, watch her perform these songs, which are quite layered. Um mm. when you listen to them, to watch her perform them live is quite something as well. Yeah. So yeah, she's had um some really great support and we will be releasing more from her next year. Ooh, Excellent. Exciting, Look forward to it. Times. So we were talking about the year 2016, which had some uh, pretty crappy things happen. Lots of famous people died. Um, David Cameron, oh, well, this is not so sad, obviously had to leave office, but was replaced by Theresa May. Um, I don't know which was the better of the... The two there, but it was David Cameron's fault that we had the referendum. Let's not forget that. And uh, Brexit was decided. It was also the year that um, what's his name? He's going to drop out of history now, isn't he? Donald Trump is going to vanish, hopefully. Oh, I definitely um, don't think. But so. it was the year, the year that a reality TV star and someone who'd been bankrupt a number of times, um, Donald Trump, becomes the president of the USA, we really, you know, it was just such a unbelievable thing to have happened. But there was a lot of good things that happened that year and a lot of good music came out in 2016. And I, you know, I could have picked David Bowie's album, Mm -hmm. but I actually feel like that's an album that's really tinged in sadness um, in a number of ways. And and I really didn't want to talk about that. I want to talk about something a bit more uplifting it. And then I could have also talked about PJ Harvey's album that came out too. There's loads of albums I could have talked about, but um, I decided to pick one that I just thought was quite a bit of fun, and actually I think just really sets a tone for for almost like a I want to say a new wave of music. It's not that they were necessarily doing anything that that radical, but I think there's a lot of interesting elements to to this to this album that's actually probably gone on to influence. A number of um, bands, certainly, certainly Bug Eye. Um, so I'm going to talk about Parquet Court's Human Performance. Are you? I I am indeed. I wanted you to clap and cheer or do something. Fanfares. Yes, I did. I did. So, did you know, Paula? It was their fifth studio album. I did not. And it was released on the eighth of April by Rough Trade Records. I did not. Well, there you go. And it includes the single Dust, Berlin Go Blurry, Outside and Human Performance. It received a nomination for Best Recording Package at 2017 Grammy Awards. And I really think they need to change the name of that award. You know, what, what did you win? I won Best Package. It means the, the cover. It means like the Oh, artwork. the artwork. Yeah, just, just say what it artwork. is. <laughs> Recording package. So it just came in a sleeve like everything it else. Had, yeah, it was... Uh, it, was yeah. it an origami sleeve, though? Oh, that's... Well, yes. How was it packaged? Well, it was in cardboard when it arrived. Um, um, anyway, so the album's artwork was actually created by Andrew Savage from the band. And Andrew Savage is a kind of um, visual artist. So his work that he does 
isn't actually anything to do with the band but when he was creating this piece of work it was at the time that they were writing human performance and so the kind of album embodies the same sort of emotions that were woven into this piece that he'd created and it just seemed to make sense for for that to be the cover of the record so go go and check it out mm-hmm. because it it looks it looks great um so it was nominated for a grammy for that but um speaking of paintings and i been dying to drop in some random facts. This is a tenuous link. This is this is me trying to be um, the quiz master again here. Um, so, so speaking of paintings, this was also 2016. Was the year that two paintings and don't you look at these notes, no, no. you little cheater. There, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> two paintings Harsh by words. Vincent Vincent Van Gogh are recovered after having been stolen in December. December. After having been stolen on the 7th of December in 2002 from the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam. So those two paintings, what Mm -hmm. do you think? And I'm going to throw this out to Sarah and Pete as well. Two Van Gogh paintings recovered. What do you think the the combined value of those paintings was? A lot of money. Pete, go on. Half a million pounds. Mm. Not sure that's the right answer, Pete. Sarah, uh, I'm gonna go completely the other way and say something ridiculous like 36 million pounds. Well, Sarah was close, but it's actually 100 million. 100 million, you know, you just think Seriously. I thought it was like a trick question, and you because you were like, Oh, it's Picasso, and it would turn out to be like a tiny little postage stamp thing that he painted, and that's how it had managed to be stolen so easily. <laughs> I mean, who walks <laughs> off with a Picasso? How does that even happen? Well, especially because it was um, Vincent van Gogh as oh, well. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that, that guy. I mean, that you know, very similar. I've been to that museum. Oh, well done. Paul. I mean, like, <laughs> random fact. So have wow. I. <laughs> I, think, I think most people who've been, you know, ventured to that part of the world may, may have gone there. What part of the world is that? Oh, I don't know, Paula. <laughs> could, could it be Amsterdam that I already mentioned? <laughs> Checking the old geography there. <laughs> um, anyway, back to, back to the, the album. The cover was not done by Vincent van Gogh. That would be an amazing link. It looks more like Matisse. Obviously, an I've impossible, just had a look at it. This an is impossible why I made link. a mess of, of answering that question because I was actually like Googling the sleeve to look at it. That's, that's quite, a, that's quite mm. a work of art. Is is that in a good a good comment or a, <laughs> it's a work of art? <laughs> I was trying to work out exactly what. So is that like a is that is that a door? Is that a plant pot? Is what is is that a radish? Right, I think I think this is that. So so you see, this is like catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I I think I think it's quite a cool cool cover. It is very cool. It is nice pot pot plant. I think I think mm. that's that's a winning combination for a. Is a that pit. a radish? No. On the floor, is it? Is it like it's a, a person lying down? Look, there's its head. There's its body. There's its legs. Oh yeah. That's its feet. Yeah. Or is, is it? it? Or is it exactly? Exactly. I mean, that's the beauty of art, right? Yes. Subjective. Exactly. So we will make sure that we um, pop up a pop up. We're going to do a pop-up exhibition of this cup. No, we're not. We're going to put this on Instagram so people can have a look. So when you're listening to the show, you have something visual to look at. But anyway, so back to the back to the band. And let me switch back to Zoom so I can see your lovely faces. Um, so a bit about the album. The band 
based in Brooklyn, DIY nature, and totally, you know, involved in every aspect of it. So like I say, obviously, the, the artwork was incredibly important for this sleeve and the way that they worked, they had this very DIY, they still do, um, they're not dead as far as I'm, I'm aware of, so they're still allow allowed, allowed to exist because they're not dead. Yeah, shut up, Angela, carry on. Um, <coughs> DIY Nature, and like I say, it was their fifth studio album. Um, and if you know the band, I think you could probably describe this album as being certainly a lot sort of cleaner sounding than their past records, perhaps. Um, but it isn't a stab at chart-topping success for mm -hmm. them in, in that way. They weren't trying to write a pop record. It proudly wears sort of a mix of influences from sort of punk and off-kilter garage rock to sort of electronic in, in elements as well. It's an album packed with moments and clever usage of an array of instruments and sounds. So like the opening track, Dusk, um, it's got this sort of jaunty piano riff. There's cars honking, there's sweet organs. But then later in the album, there's there's songs that kind of are a homage to punk and there's even things like spaghetti western riffs. And I know it kind of almost sounds like it's just a, a complete bizarre mix of stuff to have on one album. I suppose it is a little odd in that way, but it kind of all works. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that they kind of constructed the album, it sort of has this sort of feeling of nostalgia, but with a modern take on things and un quite unusual arrangements in there and very sort of apt lyrics for the time. But it's not a political album, but I think it very much does have a sort of social commentary in there um, and was sort of very much on point. The song Human Performance is about the absence of faith and how haunting it can be. Andrew Savage told NPR, the song Human Performance is about the absence of faith and how haunting it can be. Andrew Savage told NPR, ultimately the song is about living in the company of one's own change um, and being able to accept that. Perhaps it was the years spent as an altar boy that gave me an inclination toward repentance and atonement. I've never been a believer, but I can understand the appeal of faith, especially when it includes a promise of unconditional love and forgiveness. Anyone religious here? Anyone been an altar boy, girl, nun? No. No? No. Okay. Andrew Savage said that um, he was in quite a dark place when he wrote that song and actually most of that album. He was essentially sort of focusing on the malfunction of his own humanity in the relation of a sort of specific series of events that had been happening in his life. So this the album kind of was quite deeply personal and I think it made sense then for his own sort of artwork to even, you know, to 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 finish off that record as as the cover. But speaking of religion, back to 2016, not that we left it because that's when this album came out. So in February the 12th, Pope Francis and Patriarch Kirill, I think that's how you pronounce it, sign a declaration in the first such meeting between leaders of the Catholic and Russian Orthodox churches since their schism in 1054. I was supposed to have a question in there somewhere for you guys, but it's not It's not there. But anyway, basically, the two churches, uh, the yeah, so basically they had different sort of theological and political differences and weren't friends and blocked each other on social media for a really long time. 
And then do and, they make up, make up, so, never, never break up? So apparently this was like a big moment in 2016. Really? But I love, I love the way it says. So while the meeting was seen as symbolic, um, you know, a symbolic moment in history of relations between the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Churches, it was not expected to lead to any immediate um, rep- reproachment between them. So in short, they're now friends on Facebook. They probably filter feeds so they can't see exactly what each other's posting. Mm-hmm. They met for a cup of tea and that's about it. And this was a big, this was when I was searching as in big moments in 2016. That, that apparently was a big moment. Not seen each other in about 2,000 years. Well, it's different people now. They're, yeah. Just fair so, enough. Yeah, they're not they, good, aren't they? I think that would be a big moment. It's like they were alive in 1054. Well, if Jesus can and do it, maybe been... the Pope can do it. <laughs> I'm going to get struck down oh, here. Oh, my God. I don't have much more to say about the band. I'm just back to the, the music. Here. Right, but, um, yeah, back to the band. So um, the album was uh, written as they were recording it in Dreamland Studios in New York, which was not the way the band normally worked. Um, they pretty much lived in the studio and worked around the clock. So there was a lot of them sort of exploring on structures and developing sounds collectively. Did Blondie record there? I know that name. Oh, um, damn it. I read something else about... Anyway, sorry, carry on. Oh, the B-52s recorded Love Shack there. Really? Yes, yes. Um, the album Human Performance certainly sort of shaped up to be more personal and a bit more melodic than past records, but this was pure energy, and I think that comes from writing without overthinking it. Mm-hmm. Like if you've got a deadline and you're in studio, or or you're just allowing things to kind of organically happen, like that Crosswires single that we played yeah. a few weeks ago, where they literally set themselves a challenge to write, write record, and just put it out without thinking too much, and it's. It's a bloody brilliant song. But Human Performance captures the humour and horror of New York in 2016. They talk about things like, you know, everyday stuff like train delays and the distraction of the, the modern world and especially every, the sort of undertones of things that were mm-hmm. coming to the surface at that time. It's all in there. They've even got a song um, called Two Dead Cops. And uh, what do you think that's about? Two Dead Cops. Yeah, exactly. It was about two cops that had, had been murdered, basically. But the album's sort of quite dark, but it's fun. It's serious and witty. It's tight and clean and odd at times, but not odd in a sort of negative way at all. Somehow it sort of all works. Um, and I, I wish, you know, I was really searching for things like fun facts. Mm-hmm. A, that's the only thing I can think of to search every single week on this podcast. And sometimes I strike absolute gold and other times not. But I I think it's quite an important record for that year. I mean, there were lots of, you know, The Kills put out a record that loads of great music that was that was happening. Um, but this one, I think they just did this superb job of mixing something that was almost a real pop record, almost a punk record, almost so many different genres of things pulled together but really worked and created something quite quite magical and unique um so i do think that you know if you haven't heard it you should and uh talking about about music and for a great thing to have happened that year what do you think was number one for christmas that year pete what do you think it was 
Yeah. Mm. Sarah? Got no idea at all. Paula? Shaking Stevens. <laughs> he did he did like a massive drum and bass <laughs> remix of his Christmas hit. You see, I'm blinding I, it was too. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I was dropping hints in um in the uh about the album I was talking about and some of the descriptions, but I realised that it's such a vague hint that no one would have got it. It was Clean Bandit that was number one with Rockaby. And I kept saying the album it was clean sounding, but that's probably not enough of a hint, is it? No, really? No. That was a bit because of a I remember the track. Hint. I don't remember who sung it though. Yeah, no, it was Clean Bandit number one. I was surprised at that. You fill me with knowledge every week, Angela. Honestly, <laughs> what to do without you? So, what else happened in 2016? So, um, I'm not going to dwell on on the shit stuff that happened. We all know what happened. It was horrible and hopefully we're starting to see the reverse of some of that with Trump being given the boot um this year uh but yeah so 2016 second of November the high court in London rules in favor of client earth in their case against the government regarding dangerous levels of air pollution in the UK so it was actually a year and there were a few other sort of environmental things that happened in in 2016 that really you know people started to sit up and take climate change a bit more seriously. Still not as seriously as they should have done, but you start to see some changes um, starting to take place. And also some other positive news. Did you know that that was a year that giant pandas were taken off the endangered species list? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, rocking pandas. There you go. I mean, they said there's, um, you know, 2,060 giant pandas in the wild. I still don't think that's a lot. Oh, really. 260? Two, 260. There were 10 pandas. No, <laughs> 2,060. Doesn't seem like um, a vast amount, does it? No. You'd, th been... you'd think it was a lot if they were all running at you at once. Yes. I, I mean, I've heard of giant pandas. I'm fairly sure I would. Yeah, yeah I mean, first of all, I'd go, wow, and then... Then, shit myself then, then i'd be quite worried yeah. I mean, they're, you know they're quite big units aren't they yeah and I, and I bet if you've like disturbed one of them sleep they'd probably be a bit cross yeah i bet they've got proper big claws as well they they have they look cuddly i think they're just it's all it's all just a, fun, it's a sham it? it's yeah, a sham, sham. <laughs> don't don't cuddle a pound don't cuddle a panda but um yeah so they've they've gone from being endangered to just vulnerable <laughs> Gone from being endangered to just a bit of fucked. Yeah. <laughs> they're vulnerable. So when they're running at you, just remember that, Pete. They're vulnerable. Oh, they're vulnerable. They're really. vulnerable. Look at that herd of vulnerable pandas coming at me. Oh, Looking like God. Freddy Krueger with their claws. <laughs> Freddy Krueger pandas. Yeah. <laughs> really cross that you've woken them up. Utterly pissed. <laughs> oh, God. Um,. British tennis player Andy Murray becomes ATP's world number one. Does anyone care about tennis on this show? Is this the good news? Apparently. <laughs> I thought I'd chuck a bit of sports in there. I don't know. Maybe Keep it lively. Maybe, you know, Pete and Sarah are up really early, waiting in the queue for tickets for Wimbledon every year and huge tennis fans. I don't know. There might be. No. no. no I'm looking at those faces no. up there. I don't think so. <laughs> right. I've, I do have some quiz questions. All right. Um, 
only five because Kerry's been telling me off about how long I talk for. So, um, she's been getting in your ear. She she does. She says, you know, you just you talk, you talk a lot. Whenever you think ten, think half of that. Whenever you think two stories, think one. Is she so not realised that you just edit all her talking out? <laughs> right. Okay. First question. American astronaut Scott Kelly returned to Earth. This is all 2016, by the way. American oh, astronaut Scott Kelly returned to Earth after how many days in space? Oh, um, 427. Uh, 341. Sarah? I don't know, 400. <laughs> Pete, you Googled this, didn't you, as I was no. speaking? You've got, like, Google, you've got some sort... 340. So no close. 340 days. Well yeah. done. Happy dance. All right. Okay. Question two. One point. Which drink outsold um, carbonated soft drinks in sales for the first time in 2016? Which drink? Bottled water. <gasps> well done, Sarah. Well done, Sarah. I nearly said like like smoothies or something like that like yeah. those uh, what are they called because it was bottled water all right well obviously <laughs> what, what i was going to say innocent here, those guys oh, oh innocent innocent, innocent smoothies but we're not competitive in any way is it or this could be the end of right pressure yeah. <laughs> right question three a new record for solving a rubik's cube was set at how many seconds Seconds, yeah, seconds. Jesus. That surprised me as well. 37. 12. So 12 from Sarah, 37 from Paula. Yeah. Pete, four. Fucking hell, Pete, you're on the button with this. That's seriously 4.7 seconds. I knew you know, that one, I did know that one. You know, was it, was it literally just that's one, one square or exactly. something? Yeah, it's like, no, have you seen? I think the video is on YouTube. Yeah, it's insane. It's and like, I mean, I. That's my yeah. sound effect for someone doing it very fast. <laughs> Honestly, no, if you've not yeah. seen it, you need to see it because it's just unbelievable that somebody could even rotate the things that fast. But yeah, it's like four seconds. It's, it's just what? I'm going to seek that out. It can't be mixed up that, that badly for four seconds, though, really. Just watch it. It's bonkers. <sighs> we'll have to, we'll have to watch that. We'll put mm-hmm. it in the show notes as well, that one. Definitely. Right. Um, a delay in repairs to roads in Brussels was blamed on what? Birds. Mm. Sarah? <laughs> I feel like I should know this because I've worked with potholes so much. I'm just <laughs> letting myself down. <laughs> I'm not being sure. Uh, frogs. Paula? I'm going to say weather. You know what, Pete and Sarah, so close to this, but I, I thought this this was quite amusing. Can I change Basically, my answer? No, you can't. <laughs> you can't. It was delayed because mice ate the plans. <laughs> Can you believe what an excuse? It's like you know, Dog ate my like homework. Cross, crosswell row. Why why is it late? Well, you know, digging tunnels and stuff. There's like a lot of moles and things down there, and uh, they've just been really causing a lot of bother for us. Uh, Yes, mice eating the plans. That's amazing. (laughs) What an excuse. Last question. This is a slightly grip. Well, it is not just slightly. It is is obviously horrible for those people that were affected by by this. But um, I think this kind of sums up 
2016 really using a mobile phone while driving is dangerous trying to catch a pokemon at the wheel could be even worse according to um, and this is from new scientist magazine so this has to be true right Legit. so according to to um analysis the mobile game pokemon go may have contributed to nearly how many traffic accidents and how many deaths in the first 148 days of it being introduced in the states so how many accidents and how many deaths do we think 300 accidents and uh five deaths Good i was going to go 32 deaths and 500 accidents sarah 200 accidents and seven deaths you're all so far wrong on this right it's the place of extremes it was 150,000 traffic accidents what <laughs> and 256 deaths freaking heck man that's insane that is insane insane and i think that sums up 2016 for like just things that happened bloody insane playing a playing a mobile phone game yeah should have stuck with snake mate snake never killed you <laughs> it i'm sure it probably would if you were playing it behind the wheel frustration oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. any any kind of don't don't play with your phones while you drive don't kids <laughs> Cool. So, should we have some music to play us out? Yeah. Should we say thank you to our guests first? Well, yes, I think I think we should. So that that's the end of the quiz and the end almost of the show because I've just got a couple of fun questions. Guilty pleasure song of all time. Like mine is is I just I just put it out there because I know that that Paula or someone will mention it. I do have a Steps album. I still own it. So even though I've got rid of like some CDs and stuff, I've, for some reason I've still got this. So I will, hands up, I sometimes do listen to it. Um, so that's my guilty pleasure for Tragedy by Steps. So what's yours, Sarah? Uh, take That. I was a massive, massive Take That fan. Were you? What's your favourite song? Um very hard to pick <laughs> maybe I, I do love um rule the world more than never forget oh i do love never forget because that it's, is it's a brilliant very problematic song. having liked to take that because yeah now i don't really want to like take that as people but um <laughs> it, it, yes and the same group of friends the five of us six of us have always been going to the gig since we were teenagers together so you're a hardcore fan yeah um yeah even until quite recently yeah front barrier everything wow um i'd like to say i feel guilty about it but i actually don't really feel that guilty about it (laughs) (laughs) and at the time who was your favorite member did you have a favorite member i think about that howard hands down howard Still yeah. Members. yeah, we yeah, we fortunately for my group of friends, we all liked a different member, which is probably why we are still friends. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. I think you're I think you're right. I don't think people judge you um for, for being a take that fan. Hey. Know, the time that I reviewed a Gary Barlow album on Loud on the Moor and people definitely judge me for that. <laughs> 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 okay, Pete, what's your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure is the greatest pop song that's ever been written. 
and that's that is just fact it's crazy horses by the osmonds i don't even think i know that no i, don't think I know, I know that you either. don't because I, I, I can't remember i think i wrote about it in an email to you once i don't know whether it was like a, a previous episode of the podcast and you were talking yeah. about people's guilty pleasures yeah and it's just a it, it's the perfect pop song it's just absolutely perfect in every way there's i can't fault it it's the greatest song ever written it's about it's an environmental song it's about yeah. cars and it's about like um you know um pollution and yeah. it's by the osmonds i mean what uh, <laughs> the guitar the guitar solo in the middle it's like it's the perfect pop song it's literally like verse chorus verse chorus it doesn't mess about there's a middle eight with a guitar solo in it that does like what um smells like teen spirit does i think that's why we might have been talking about it because it basically just the guitar solo is yeah. just the vocal melody repeated yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. and it's like all over in two and a half minutes and the guitar riff is like the most badass guitar riff you've ever heard and when you t it's like the osmonds what honestly it's the best song ever written i'll fight anyone who disagrees with me you need to listen to it right maybe that can be our next poll on twitter what have you have you listened to this song well, no is this the best yeah we have to do a song off. Is it this or this? We could we could do that like a league. A league. Yeah, like group one, group two, group three. It's and getting then like... complicated. No man. <laughs> you know how the World Cup works. It can be Poland like once lockdowns over, then Pete will meet anyone who disagrees with him in the car park out the back. I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have it out. <laughs> um, I'm having it played at my funeral. Uh, I've just decided that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going. I'm going on fire to that at the end. Yeah. All right. Last question. Oh. Um, if you could create any band, like a dream lineup of a band, um, who would it be, and what would they be called? I've did, I've done this in my head like hundreds of times. <laughs> so come on then, Pete. Who? So what scenario today? I've got it written down. Everything. <laughs> Right, so the best band in the world, obviously, and obviously they're going to release like a cover version of Crazy Horses by the Osmonds. Yeah. <laughs> so th bear that in mind, even though you don't know the song. So my dream band, can I be in it? You can yeah, be in it. Yeah, of course you can. It's your band. I'm just going to write myself in now as the second guitarist. Okay, yeah. so um, <laughs> Kathleen Hanna on vocals. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Thurston Moore on guitar. Mm -hmm. Good choice. Kim Deal playing bass. Yes. Would they still? Would they? Would they be happy about that though? Do you think? Well, I mean, you know, she'd be like, I'm in the like the all star best yeah. pop band in the world now, so I, I think she'd be all right with it. I mean, if she wants to play guitar, yeah, we can do swapsies because I yeah, yeah I, I played bass <laughs> for like twenty years or something. So I mean, you know, we'd be versatile. Uh, the Russell Simmons, who is the drummer from the John Spencer Blues Explosion, okay, that guy is literally like the greatest drummer ever and then random choice here go with this patrick moore on xylophone interesting <laughs> interesting and but you need to see that guy play xylophone he's like the rubik's cube kid who does it in four seconds really and have you got a name fire all weapons I think, I think this band needs to, well, I mean, it can't fully happen, obviously, with one of the members already being dead, but, you know. And the other's otherwise yeah. engaged. <laughs> it could happen. 
I can just see fire or weapons written in that kind of sort of gothic metal style. Of, do you know what I yeah. mean? That certain look of writing. <laughs> I think there might be lightning bolts coming off it as well. Oh, I think it's yeah. great. Sarah, have you got... got I, a... can't, I can't compete with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try and follow it. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I like that. That's, 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 a, great, that's a great band. Most excellent. Yes. Thank you for doing your homework, Pete, on that one. <laughs> It was already done. It was Believe already that. there. This is, you know, that's been, I almost crashed the car regularly fantasising about how good that band would be. Not by paying Pokemon Go. No, that no. would be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and every day you cut with the same band or, or are there different variations given on how you're feeling in that moment? Yeah, there's a little bit of that sometimes, you know, like Russell Simmons has sprained his wrist so um maybe like Dave Grohl I mean he's a nice guy I don't think he's yeah. the greatest drummer but he's a lovely chap any any falling outs in the band are there any like kind of oh god this one's such a you know always such a drama queen mm. about this nah. Ka- Kathleen Hanna and Thurston Moore probably wouldn't get on no, no. I can see there being issues there like alpha now yeah because like you know what with him and Kim and all that yeah thing, mm. She'd, she'd, she'd certainly want to have words with him about it. Yeah, have a chat outside. I think, like. I think so. I think so. I think, I think Kim Deal would just be pretty, pretty laid back in the band. I, I think don't she'd... think Kim Deal could be asked with the dramas in that band. Do you? I think she'd be like, "Jug on, man! Don't need this in my life anymore." <laughs> and that's obviously what she would say: "Jug on, man! I don't need this in my life anymore." <laughs> Okay, well, we've been talking about the year 2016, which had a lot of highs and lows. One of the highs was that Reckless Yes was born with Pete and Sarah at the helm and uh, putting out fantastic records. And I think we're going to end on one of your records now. Let's. Um, are we going to play another lines one on and on? I think I think we should. Yeah, yep. should we do that? Let's do that. Okay. So thank you both very much for joining us. It's been really great chatting to you this evening. And thanks for bringing along some music for us to listen to. Yeah, cool. So hopefully we'll catch up with you very soon. And that's it for uh, another week of Rock Pop Rambles. If you do have any corrections or stories or music that you want to send us, please send it to rockpoprambles at gmail.com or on Twitter at um, Bug Eye Bands and on Facebook as Bug Eye Music and the same for Instagram. Okay, so that's it for another week. Over and out. Bye.